Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a stupendous episode. Stupendous. Stupendous. Stupendous episode for you guys. It is a cool episode. It's uh You know what I like? People don't realize this. That we do the intro after we record Simon. Sometimes. A lot of times. A lot of times. So we know. Like, this was cool. I'm 100% sure this is cool. Exactly. I got a phone call, uh, like, uh, last year, maybe even around this time, maybe a little earlier, maybe it was two years ago, I don't remember, (laughs) and it was basically, hey, do you want to go to Baja? Right. Like, what would that look like? Baja Peninsula. What would that look like for you? And I went, And who was this person? This is Mike. And yes. he runs Slow Baja. And That's he, right. he's a Baja expert. He's been going forever. Do you want and to know more about Mike? I do. Tell okay. me more. So Michael Emery is usually behind the wheel of his vintage Toyota Land Cruiser. He's an intrepid adventurer and has been exploring the Baja Peninsula for more than 30 years. He's actually a two-time finisher of the grueling 3,000-mile Baja XL Rally. And he even hosts his own podcast. Anything XL is, is yeah. good. Uh, unless it's a t-shirt. Right. Anything. That's a little too big then. Yeah, yeah. But usually... It, usually XL means bigger, and bigger yeah. is better. Yeah, I'm I'm not big though. I know, but I was I was you made the joke yourself. I was well, gonna I, let it go. I saw the smirk. Yeah, yeah. And so did everyone else who's watching this on yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, Michael Emery, he is an off-road racing awesome dude, and he has uh, the Slow Baja podcast, Slow Baja website. And he also has, as we find out, he's, in, he's the sponsor of the uh, the safari, safari class, class. Yep, of Nora Off Road Racing in Baja, which is leads us to want to interview him because it sounds like and an as absolute. You, as you can tell by the end of the episode, we a hundred percent are going to be doing this. We got to. We are. <sighs> how? How? Okay. How are we going? What? Before, okay, before we discuss how we're going to do this, yes. why don't you tell me about uh, our, our good friends, Petrolbox? Yes, Petrolbox is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast. That's you, because you like cool automotive gear. And each and every month, they have cool curated boxes full of stuff that gets delivered right to your doorstep. It is. It's cool. It's awesome. We've said it makes a great gift. If you didn't get for Christmas, you can get it for yourself, or perhaps there's a birthday or some other holiday coming up. It's awesome for that. Head over um, to my, what? Right. What? Birthday coming up. Yeah, I know. You have a birthday in tomorrow. In tomorrow? That is yep. six hours and 46 minutes from now. Is right? My, is it's my the third, birthday. right? Yeah, yeah. it's my tomorrow. birthday. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's better than Christmas. Because it's like, what, seven days later? <laughs> no, because I'm actually here. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, wait, what? Was that a Jesus? Was that a dead Jesus joke? It's Kind of, yeah. That's I mean, weird. I mean, you can have faith, but really, you're buying presents for other people because someone else was born. You can give me presents because I was born. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right here. Okay, I'm on right that here. note. We should have had this conversation like two weeks ago because then I could have gotten why? presents. Now it's too late. We did get a couple of presents. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's right. We did. I got uh, we got a couple of um, from Brad. Yeah, he sent us some uh, some belt buckles. Pretty sweet. Yeah, for, very that, cool. But that Thank was you, because Brad. of Jesus. Not I did get a. Br- <laughs> that was because of he Jesus. did send me a birthday card, which was absolutely yes. fantastic. Regardless but the presents were because of Jesus. Thank of you, Jesus. Whose birth you're celebrating, be it Jesus or Chris Cluel. <laughs> Petrol box makes a great gift. MyPetrolBox.com. Check it out. Use code OVERCREST at checkout. That'll get you a discount. There's two different levels to choose from. You know all this. It's great. If don't subscribe, why don't? Why? 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 Why not? Why not? Why not? What else have we got? We have a merch 
on the Drivers Club website. Yeah, it's uh, overcrustproductions.com slash Le Club de Pilostes, which is Drivers Club in French. Is it? Did you look this up just to annoy me? Yep, Uh, Le Club (laughs) de Pilots. Or it's it's the Le Club de Chauffeurs. Chauffeur? <laughs> the, the chauffeur club. The driver's club. Driver chauffeur. Yeah, but I feel like Le that club translation is like you're driving someone else around. I know. Well, you could be. I mean. I don't really think that's our vibe, though. Well, we are. We're driving everybody else around in the driver's club, right? Kind so of? we're chauffeurs. We're the chauffeurs of, of, of adventure. <laughs> sir. Yes. Sir. 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 Good sir. Uh, so it's actually forward slash drivers club. Correct. Uh, you can get uh, you can get merch there. Yep. We're, uh, we're both. If you yes. can watch the video, both wearing Overcrest merch today. I, I love this one. Moving fast and barely moving, which hey, is this it's whole a state of mind. The slow car fast mentality. Celebrate That's it right, right here. We got some decals and everything too, um, and we have new stuff coming up pretty soon. That's Plus, true. if you join the drivers club, you get early access. That's right. To all of our limited stuff because we only have lim- stickers aren't limited, but like the shirt you're wearing. Yeah. Some of the sizes are gone. Yeah, absolutely. And once they're gone, they're gone forever. I never got the gray one. Are you serious? I don't have one. See, Jake doesn't. He's not a member of the driver's club. I am. I pay for it myself. Did you buy the shirt? What? Did you pay for the shirt? Well, did you go to the store and pay for the shirt? No, I didn't pay for the shirt. You're a deadbeat. You wanted a free shirt just because you're part of something. Well, okay. First of all, I pay ourselves $5 a month just so I can have the outsider's view of the process and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually am a Driver's Club so member. What, so what you're saying is that you got the Driver's Club email that says, hey, this stuff is available. Well, if you'd of like course, to because I sent it. <laughs> you son of a... I'm just pissed off because you hold inventory and you I were do. supposed to pull one of everything You know what? Me. You know who came over to my house the other day? What? Jeff. And? He drove up to the house and picked up a couple shirts and we had a nice conversation, talked about cars. It was great. Good for him. So, I did that two months ago when I got one of everything and I go, hey, where's the gray one? You go, oh, I pulled that one for you a while ago. It's somewhere. I'll find it. Okay, well, I'll look. I don't do you remember this? No. I know I don't. you don't because don't you probably either didn't do it or it got sold to someone else. So enjoy your damn t-shirts because yeah, I didn't even get one. The black ones are pretty much gone. And it's the coolest one. And, and they're, well, they're gone. Forever, forever. So anybody that's got one of the black stonewashed driven to death shirts, that's it. You are a lucky man. If you have a large and want to sell it back, <laughs> let me know. There's, gonna be, there's a resale market on this stuff know. now? I don't know. Uh, I'm just pissed off about that. Well, maybe there's one somewhere for you. I, I'm not sure. There um, definitely isn't. <laughs> com forward slash drivers club support the show. Right here. This is, this is an Americano coffee right here. This costs $5. Uh-huh. This was $5. Yeah. This is the same... You could have gotten one of these. You realize how ironic this is, that just yesterday we had the rant about coffee. Yes. And you were of the side that I don't need coffee. I don't get the frou-frou stuff when I'm on an adventure. That's like blah, saying blah, just blah. because you have sex, you can't question the morality of porn. What, just because what, you no, have sex. that's nothing like I'm, that. Just because I'm having coffee doesn't mean I can't think that all the coffee stuff is stupid. Just because I have, I, I actually have more clout to complain about it than I did before because I actually, will do, every once in a while now, drink coffee. So now I have more foundation so for which like to complain. you're like basically the expert, and the expert says it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say coffee was terrible. No. I don't want to hash this argument again. We already had it. Yes, we did. And I already, okay. and I already won. No, definitely not. Did you yes. read the comments? Uh, I got a lot of personal DMs with people that oh, are probably, I'm sure they're probably, oh, yeah. the people are probably scared to confront uh-huh. the addicts. 
Maybe they're just scared. They don't want yeah. to get into the fray. So yeah. they send me a message personally saying, hey, Chris, I agree with you. I would rather I'm be on the sure road experiencing the, the, the beauty oh, that is the yeah. earth. Yeah. Did you see the picture I posted? I don't know. Of the hipster guy? Yeah. Like, you're either hanging out with the, the guy's name's probably you, Toby. You just said you didn't want to hash this out. The guy's name is Toby, and on the bottom was me driving on an epic road. Yeah. So you can hang out with Toby. <laughs> Toby. The co- <laughs> Toby, the coffee guy, where yeah. you can hang out with, with me. Yeah. On the, what do you choose? A couple people were like, well, I'm definitely going to go with Jake I'm, now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fine. Absolutely. Go with Jake. Yeah. Be comfortable. You know, fine. I, yeah. Great. That sounds okay. amazing. I don't want to hang out with you anyway. <laughs> Good. All right. All right. What do we What do we got here? What's going on? Michael Emery. Michael Emery. Let's let's get right to it. Enjoy, guys. Michael, Michael Emery. Yeah. Welcome thanks, to the podcast. Thanks for coming to hang out with us, man. Wow. Nice to meet you guys. Uh, Jake, Chris, uh, I'm, I'm touched and honored. <laughs> oh, well, we, we appreciate, appreciate it. We, yeah. we appreciate everybody that spends their uh, their hard earned time to hang out with a couple of dipshits on on a podcast. We appreciate it. So we can and, get it. We can say dipshits right away. I just want to. I want to sure. know the parameters. Yeah, we can get that out of the that's way. That's right quite right. all right. It, and Michael, Chris, and I are admittedly pretty naive when it comes to off road racing of any kind. And I, of course, have heard of the famous Baja One Thousand, which I looked up, and apparently has been run since 1967, but that's only one of many races held down on the Mexican Peninsula, right? Yeah, um, it's the big daddy. It's okay. the one. It's the one that looms in everybody's mind. The the one thousand again started in nineteen sixty seven, and prior to that, guys um, were just taking trips and trying to figure out like, can we get all the way down this one thousand mile peninsula, uh, and some Hollywood stuntmen, uh, the Eakins brothers uh, did it. And then uh, Bruce Myers figured out like, hey, if I load up my Myers Manx buggy with a thousand gallons of fuel or however many hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of gallons, he didn't stop for fuel, which was a big problem in those days. There was not easy fuel to find. So he, he drove his buggy in 1967, summer of 67, all the way to the southern peninsula and then turned around to make a timed run on the, the route back north after he had sort of mapped everything and made this basically flying time you know bomb full of fuel <laughs> he set he set the record and that's when people said hey we need to have a proper race and that was halloween 1967 so since you are talking history i looked up just enough to be dangerous so i'm going to ask you the Perfect. questions the ekin brothers that you mentioned uh i believe it was they were doing a promo for Honda or they wanted to test right. bikes yeah, yeah. for Honda, right? Exactly. And yep. you talked about fuel shortages. So I want you to tell me how they solved that problem. Uh, I think they had fuel dropped by airplane. Yeah. What I, happened on that, on that trip. I read there was a Cessna that just followed them and like every 80 miles yeah. it would land in the dirt and they would just siphon it out of the wing and into the motorcycles. Which... Makes perfect sense. <laughs> I'm wondering what type of, you know, AV gas or av gas that was running in those bikes at that point. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, the problem was just trying to find a, a fuel in that. It was pretty, the place was, I don't know, it was like 50 or 100 years behind the United States in infrastructure. So that's also what made it so exciting for guys to figure out a way to get from the top to the bottom. So, before we get into the race itself and the organization of it, tell us about Baja. Like, it must wait, be. Wait, wait, wait. I, what? Why do you love Baja? Like, well, that's what, what I want to want to know. Yeah, like, wh- what is it? 
Well, you know, so I, my story, basically, I, I'm from the San Francisco area, grew up in the suburbs and went to college in San Diego. So when you go to school in San Diego, Tijuana's next door. And when you're 18, Tijuana's <laughs> where you can drink legally. So that's, that's all it was. We just went there to drink and do stupid stuff. But literally, like I was thinking about it today, um, you know, before school started, I, I didn't get a dorm. I was living in an apartment with another guy. In those days, you kind of furnished it with cast offs from mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever. Kids going to college, we had grandpa's stinky old vinyl chair and other stuff. But like you need a laundry basket, you don't go to, we didn't go to Target. We went to Tijuana and you <laughs> bought a laundry basket from a street vendor. And, and that also involved like tequila shots and other stuff. And so as we started going to spring break in, in Baja, uh, I, I maybe it's like year three, you know, you've drank beer from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. four days in a row. It's like, again, I got to get out of here. I can't, I can't keep doing this. And one year we just decided we would start driving south instead of coming home north. And, you know, I wasn't in some off-road rig like you see in Instagram. I was in a Toyota Corona with an automatic that a friend of the family had given us. And we rolled up uh, a foam pad and put it over the back seat. had a couple of sleeping bags. And I think we had like $28 between three guys. And we thought, well, that's three more days of Baja exploration. And that was the first time I said, wow, this is cool. You get away from the population. You sleep on the beach. Um, you know, we were very hand to mouth. We were, we were recycling bottles at the end to get the deposit back so we could get some gas money. But it was... Um, it was really eye-opening. And so after college- Were you intimidated back, at all at, at a younger age or are you too stupid to understand? No, we are way too stupid. <laughs> I mean, just way too, just absolutely too stupid. There was no bravado, it was just stupid. But what you really realize quickly, I mean, way, way before the internet, this is middle eighties, is that you get there and you meet people and people are nice. Like you meet some guy and he's like, hey, you guys can sleep, bring your sleeping bags and sleep on my front porch. You guys, yeah, uh, we're having a meal. Join us. People were just nice. And that was the eye opener for us. And as you got away from the party towns that were in the northern part of Baja, Ensenada, Rosarito, San Felipe, and started getting into the less populated places. And it's like, whoa, this is cool. So fast forward out of college, working, what have you. Um, I, at one point, thought after I bought my uh BMW Perry Dakar new in 1992. I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna race the Perry Dakar. Why wouldn't I? Right. Um, so I got the shower, I got the shower curtain that had the whole globe on it, and then I read a, <laughs> I read a book about some guy who tried to privateer the Perry Dakar, and I said, that's ridiculous. What am I thinking? I'm gonna go to Baja instead. So uh, that's the first off-road trip that I took on a motorcycle, and then again, that was you know riding across dry lake beds and out in the middle of nowhere. 50 miles down a dirt road, places I had absolutely no business going. And luckily I survived. And for me, that just fed this desire then to like keep doing it in different ways, different vehicles. What was it about the exploration that really did it for you? Was there something that happened early in your life that you, you rediscovered some exploration or what was it about it that was so attractive that you had to keep going back? I mean, it was just next door. It's, in those days, it was probably 50 percent cheaper. So, as college kids and post college, it's just a cheap vacation, and it's camping on the beach. And there's nobody saying no to you unless you're a total idiot in a populated town, drunk as a skunk, which I have been many times. 
you're just no one's going to say no you can't do that here no you can't drive down this dirt road no you can't i mean whatever you can do it the answer is yes just go you know don't ask for permission just go is it like so that today it, like it cannot if i'm just a guy and i want to go to baja and sleep on the beach if like from an american's perspective now i look at it and go i don't want to go to mexico because i'm going to get chopped into little tiny pieces yeah and put in a box and and dropped in the ocean with a brick you know that's what i feel like mexico is now so I, is it what what is the difference between the feel of mexico now versus the feel of mexico when you started going there well and is baja different than right like yeah mexico? is it different um i i think that like any place um if your source of news is one you know one um thing you might only get one opinion so i just moved to chicago you don't hear anything good about chicago i just moved from <laughs> san francisco yeah. you don't hear anything good about san francisco um and thankfully you don't hear very much uh good uh, unless you're tuning in regularly to the slow baja podcast you don't hear anything good about mexico so the thing is people are nice the weather's great it's desolation on our doorstep. So literally you can drive down a dirt road and camp on the beach. Now, many of the best beaches will have a family that sort of looks after that beach, whether it's theirs or not, I don't know the rules, but they'll, you know, come and tap on your window, or you may have to drive past a little, you know, rope that they've tied between two, two palms and, uh, and pay a, a, a small fee to sleep at their beach. Sure. But, they, they may also pick up the trash and have a primitive bathroom and a little taco stand. So, um, you know, I overlander and a bunch of other places now will tell you how to boondock camp. Mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't do a lot of camping. I prefer after a day in the land cruiser, my old 71 FJ 40, I prefer like a bed and a shower if I can get it. Um, but I do camp and I'll camp half the time on the Baja XL. And, uh, it's just, it, it, it's, for me, I don't, I don't feel any desire to, to drive out into the woods in the United States and go camp. It just, it doesn't cross my mind, but yeah, I love doing it there. It seems like it's like this, like I'll camp too, but I don't necessarily go camping. You know, if I'm on a road trip and I need to go camping and I did when we were in Idaho and we were um, looking around for routes for the Overcrest Rally, we were like, wow, we're on a forest road. It is four hours back to wherever it is 8.30 p.m. Let's just stop here. And we had our camping stuff. So we were in the mountains and not a camping spot on the side of a dirt road because we just had to go camping. We needed to sleep. So, And, and I love that type of camping. I love the spontaneity of discovering the spot and, and doing those things. The question for me is when I look at Baja, I've kind of exhausted my, my own personal exploration of the West. Been all over Utah. I've been all over Arizona, Nevada, Idaho. I've I've driven there. I've driven my 911 on some pretty gnarly shit. Can I take the next <laughs> step and take my 911 through to the southern tip of Baja? And would I like it? Is the question. Like, can I plan a trip that's similar to what I do in terms? You you kind of follow me, so you kind of know where I go and what I like to do. Would it would it would I enjoy that? Would that be good for me in my car versus something else? Yeah, I mean, people actually uh, drive Safari 911s on dirt in Baja. Um, so I just had uh, Sharif um, from Oregon in his uh, Rothman's livery uh, Dakar replica 
uh, you, you saw it at Luft and uh, a bunch of other places. Porsche just did a film with him, but he drove it twice on my um, slow Baja Safari class on the dirt, hammered down, airborne, you know, breaking wheels, doing stuff like that. Uh, now he's going to prep that thing or build a new 911 and actually race it in the racing class, not not come with me in the, the tour class. He's going to race it in the racing class. Um, but you could get all the pavement driving you desire in Baja, which is fairly narrow, uh, one lane in each direction, no uh, often missing the uh, the Armaco barrier. Uh, barricades yep. in the part where you can go over the cliff. That's, you know, somebody has gone over the cliff. They haven't rebuilt that. It's just missing. Um, there's no, there's a painted white line. The road is, the road is, um, 96% of the size it should be. So it's just <laughs> like driving a narrow two lane road. You say uh, the, the road. Well, I was just going to comment. Yeah, the highway. The road. Is there the only highway. one the road? Yeah, yeah. Well, they built a second one recently, but yeah, there's there's one highway, that Highway 1, which was completed in 1974, and it was built on a budget. And there's, you know, it's just over the years, there's, it, again, it's not divided. So there's a painted line in between. And so you just have close contact with traffic moving the other direction. And there's a lot of truck traffic, big rig traffic. And, you know, I mean, that... There's it, it's beautiful, but it's full concentration driving. And when you have an old truck like mine with four inches of dead in the center, as you know, an old Land Cruiser, <laughs> it's maximum concentration all the time. And when you do get tired or when your your concentration lapses for a second, that's when you hit a pothole. That's when, you know, or even when if you say, God, I got to go to the bathroom and you're just going to pull off because there's no gas station there with a nice restroom. So you just pull off on the side of the road someplace you better really look at where you're pulling off because the drop could be eight inches. So if mm -hmm. you drop off the road without slowing down, you could flip. So there it is. It's not without its challenges for sure. How, but you, yeah, you could take a nine 11 and have a great time is the, the short answer to the question. You just planted a very dangerous seed. Yeah. This, well, it's, it's something that I've, I've wanted to do and I, it's far more likely that I'll do it in the trooper. You know, we'll get into that at some point here. Um, is there is there gravel roads that are somewhere in between? Most of the gravel roads I've been on are like forest roads. And my experience is in my 911 is you do not need a Safari 911 for 99% of gravel roads in the United States. I mean, if you're trying to go over you like some pass and it's pretty gnarly, some of the stuff in Idaho is pretty gnarly. But generally, I don't think you need a Safari 911 to do a lot of gravel driving. Is there stuff down there that I would enjoy that I could go explore and get off road and and get away from the road on the road 0.5 or something like, well, like yeah yeah and you know through the magic of gps now you'll you'll be able to see all those roads and follow all those roads we use paper maps so you don't always get all the answers you're looking for but the thing that i tell tell people now when instagram tells us what we need to do to go off road and you need to have mm -hmm. something that basically you're you're ready to storm Mosul. You know, you've got yeah. a, a full full assault vehicle on 37s, triple locked, what have you. The regular local traffic is driving dirt roads all the time in Baja. Yeah. And that's going to be a rancher dude in a 1983 Mitsubishi, probably down on one cylinder, a pickup truck, yeah. down on one cylinder with three people in the front and seven people in the back on three bald tires. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you yeah. don't need a triple locked uh, Land Cruiser you know, on 37s. I, uh, I had an experience with my trooper and I, I thought it was four wheel drive. 
So I'm I'm up in this <laughs> I'm up in this place. I don't know. It's like what is it? Spider Lake or something it's like a, that? Yeah, it's a local. It's a local. It's it's nothing really. But it's, it's a bunch of hills, and you go through some water and over rocks and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put it in four wheel drive. Yeah, I'm driving around this whole place four wheel drive. Turns out my four wheel drive doesn't work. <laughs> so I did the entire thing driving through this water up to the doors. Park, yeah. In this off road park over rocks, up these steep things, down these steep things. I wasn't low for sure, but I was in the, full that, rear wheel drive. Yeah, probably an open diff back there too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So, so like what you actually <laughs> think you need and what you actually need are completely yeah. different things. There's, there's, you know, you look on Instagram and this is kind of a good topic because it drives me crazy is you do see all those like, it's basically apocalypse vehicles, right? Like yeah. you're driving across Siberia yeah. in January in this thing. And Jake is like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because this is exactly what his stupid, <laughs> worthless Cayenne looks like. Yeah. And I'm looking at my trooper, like when I've got, and I've got regular size tires that are pretty nice. And I'm putting the, the TDI motor in it. This is all, all this is happening so I can come hang out with you in Baja. Oh, good. Essentially. Good, good, good. So we're going <laughs> to do it. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's. It's hard. It's a hard work putting. Nobody's ever done the swap before, so it's taking a lot longer than I suspected. I know last year around this is time, is diesel available down there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Man. So but anyway, what I'm saying is like, <laughs> I don't have a rooftop tent. I'll sleep in the back of. The, I'll sleep in the back of the truck. How and, are you going to be cool then? It, it, that is the question. <laughs> Am I going to be cool because I'm anti cool? No. Am I anti cool? There's no light bars. I'll have some IPFs. Yeah, drive, old lights school. on the front. Old yep. school lights on the front. And other than that, it's going to look remarkably stock from the outside. Mm -hmm. Isn't that okay? Does yeah, does yeah. everything? I think the that's... funny thing is, do you know how slow you'll be going on that trip because you'll be stopping at every wrecking yard and saying, "Oh, there's the nicest looking <laughs> trooper I've ever seen." That's like the only truck that's still down there. Really? You can you can find uh, pathfinders and troopers everywhere there still. Oh, Ooh. that's amazing! So it's, it'll great. be dangerous for you. That's good. Yeah. Well, mine's no, remarkably nice. I mean, we can definitely. I'll, I don't have even have a roof rack. Mine didn't have the roof rack option. I would like to get. There you go. You got to get that. I got to get a roof basket of some sort so I can collect stuff. That's what we did when we were in Idaho <laughs> in my wagon. Is we kept stopping at all these old dudes' garage. He'd be sitting. The old guy would be sitting out there like this with a beer. And yep. he'd be sitting out there just drinking beers. And we, hey, man, you got anything for sale? He's like, as long as you're buying, I sure do. And you go there and you root through all this shit. Oh, man, that sounds like that sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> Hola, <Yeah>. amigo. Hola. <laughs> I don't even know. You know I, I don't know any Spanish. But. Perfect. I, I know very little. But I had an experience. You know, people, again, people are friendly. And what I was going to say is the approach you need to have is just to go slow and, and say hello and, and be open to what comes your way driving an old vehicle like that, that you're probably going to have your windows down. And, you know, I don't have windows. So I was sitting at a stop sign uh, once in this little town called Mulahay, which is you know pretty, pretty far down, maybe uh, two thirds of the way down the peninsula. And a guy comes up next to me in traffic and he just, he's gesticulating and he's talking a mile a minute and I'm smiling and waving. Hey dude. Yeah. All right, whatever. And he's waving, like, follow me, follow me, follow me. <laughs> and, uh, and this moment of like, uh, should I do this? What does this guy want? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I got this big six foot four, 280 pound guy in the seat next to me. So what's, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I need to get you both? one of those. And so anyways, you know, I, I follow him and 10, 10 plus minutes later, we're dri driving down this dirt road. And it's definitely like, this is, uh, you know, this is where the locals have their chickens run in the front yard and all that stuff. And, and we get down this dirt road and there's a land cruiser just sitting in the guy's front yard. Uh, I mean, really pretty in 
in pretty bad shape. You know, the wheels are off and it's, it's just there, but this guy just wanted me to know that it was there. Sure. Like he saw, like I'm driving this old thing and he knows this culture of, we got to help our friends out. And, you know, he just felt like I should know that if I'm ever in Mulahay and I need a part or something, this dude's got this dead land cruiser in his yard and I should know about that. And so it's, it's that kind of, honestly, it's that kind of place. I love that. That's the thing you never hear. It's, it's, what is a, what is a dead truck like in Mexico? There can't be rusty. No. I mean, is it just worn worn out? Yeah. Mulahay gets uh, some rain and some flooding. So there, there is some element of that. It might, maybe it's been flooded a couple of times. Um, But yeah, no, it's very much like, um, something you might see in, in Las Vegas or in Yuma sure. or something sun baked is what you're going to see. Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to be dry. How do you get it back across the border? <laughs> like, how do well, you, I mean, if it got, if it got South of the border, it can probably get North. You know? Well, yeah, I suppose. Can you, well, there's a giant wall now, I guess you can't just four wheel drive yourself yeah, over yeah. a wall. <laughs> you know, back when, back when troopers were out, you could probably just drive it. I don't think that that's the case. There's anymore. uh yeah, no, you have to, yeah, you'll have to interact with our, uh, border security officials and you'll have to have some story what sure what is that process like when you're trying to go in and out what what that's is, one of the worst processes uh of the whole thing even uh, as like a white guy with no accent it's still yeah hard. yeah it, no so the, the thing is you know you can get a century pass which is a background check much like global entry maybe you you fly a lot yeah you can get that so i went through the process and got that and it's vehicle specific. So I have a mm. 04 Forerunner. I have a 96 Forerunner. There's my kid's college car. And then I've got my 71 Land Cruiser. So I have to pick one. Well, the Land Cruiser is what I'm normally in. So that's my, my vehicle. My uh, adventure buddy, he lost his passport. Or his passport expired in COVID and he never got another one. And then he couldn't get one. And now I was like, you know, so we've been traveling for the last three years in Baja and he hasn't even had a passport. So, you know, even if I have the expedited sentry that's going to get me into the faster lane traveling back north, and there could be as fast as 20 minutes to cross or three and a half to four hours, and you don't really know, and it's a crapshoot. My last trip north after the Nora 500 was a three and a half hour crossing, and that just really, you can't, I can't tell you how awful that is in a 71 Land Cruiser. (laughs) <laughs> the only thing that can make it more awful is if it's 110 degrees out, which was the summer crossing that I had. Well, and I've, I've had some pretty bad experiences miserable. in Chicago in the summer on the freeway. <laughs> I remember being, there was, there was, I was with my buddy. We were in the 911, my white 911, my SC. This is like got to be 12 years ago now. And we were sitting on the, uh, I don't remember, what's the what's the freeway called, the turnpike there? It's got a special name. you got the the Eisenhower, you've got the Ryan, you've got the, uh, yeah, you've got the... The Skyway. Reagan. I was on the, Chicago, yeah, okay. the Skyway, the Chicago Skyway. It's got a cool sign, you know, it's got like the neon or whatever. But I was on the Skyway and there was construction and we were in the 911, had no air conditioning. And it was over 100 degrees. And I we started after about 15 minutes, we're like, shirts are off. <laughs> then the shoes were off, then the socks were off. Then your shorts are off. I'm sitting here in my underwear, doors open, going four <laughs> miles an hour. Me and my buddy are both like yeah. just sweating in our underwear. It must have just been a scene. But yeah, it's, it's what, what else do you do? Yeah. And so the reverse of that, when it's 115 out and you're crossing in the desert and you're in an open vehicle, uh, inching, inching along in traffic and you're watching your temperature gauge yeah. soar up and you're turning the heat on to try and cool your engine yeah. off. 
And then you're getting out and going to your cooler and putting, you know, pouring a ice cold water over your radiator. Then I actually had to put on uh, coveralls and a hat that I bought from a vendor. And I had one of these like nylon, it's like a ski mask, but it's lightweight that I was putting into cold water. And it was truly, it was one of the stupidest things I've done because it's like, you know, when I got across the border, my truck didn't even want to run, let alone, let alone me, you know, right. it was, yeah. it dangerous was really, at that point. yeah, it was too hot. So that's basically, hot. if if you were going to, if there was one thing that you needed to do to prepare your vehicle to do this, is it the cooling system? Is that, is that it's. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, uh, I'm not a mechanic and I know you're, you're a big DIY guy and, and fix, fix your own stuff up. I, I bought this Land Cruiser. Uh, I sold a La Carrera race car, a little Datsun 1600 race car that I did the La Carrera with in a couple times in 2012. And my wife wanted to use the, the money for a backyard remodel. And so I said, I, I got to buy a car today. Like I sold the car next day I needed to buy a car <laughs> and uh, I got on Craigslist and found this Land Cruiser and I bought it. It was an old man car. And, you know, basically before I go, I get the oil changed. Uh, I get it basically serviced, pull the plugs, take a look, check out the, check out the, um, cooling system. But I drove 10 years in Baja on the same tires that were already four years old when I got it. So I had 14 year old tires up right. until April of this past year, 14 old, 14 year old Goodrich, um, TAs you know, that were 30 inches. They weren't, they weren't big monster tires, you know? So again, there's a mechanic in every village. Uh, there's a tire guy in every village. There's an auto parts store in every town. You'll you figure know. it out. If, yeah. if you can, if you can get your vehicle from, we're in like Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yep. If you can get your, your vehicle from Minnesota down to the border, Arizona or San Diego, you're good to go. Yeah. If you yeah. can go a hundred miles, you can do a thousand. Cooling systems always, Achilles heel, I feel like, in almost anything. Especially air cooled cars. Yeah. Like well, the the I bought that well before my car didn't always have an oil cooler in the front. Oh and, I, yeah. and in the summer I couldn't well, drive my, over seventy or it would overheat. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, you need one. You I know get I get one for sure. Especially but I had the when I went out to Idaho and bought that wagon, the it was a it's a three hundred turbo diesel. It's not a or not a turbo diesel, a, a touring diesel. diesel. Yeah. And it didn't have a didn't have a turbo. So the thing would just struggle in the elevation, right? I mean it was just just absolutely to the floor, going 40 miles an hour, then 30 miles an hour, <laughs> then 20 miles an hour, and you're just watching the temperature gauge do this. But we finally got high enough that there was snow. <laughs> so we popped the hood open. I grabbed a shovel. I had a little shovel in case yeah, we got stuck in the snow. I packed the entire engine compartment with snow, the whole thing, just all the way to the wheel wells, just packed over them. I'm sure like everything. A, a thermal dynamic engineer would be like, actually, you're insulating it. You want the airflow. It worked and awesome. Oh, okay. It worked absolutely awesome. <laughs> it lasted. I, that was, it was like a refrigerator all the way up. Coolant was fine. No issues. There was still water pouring out of the bottom of it when I got there. But yeah, so it awesome. seems like the cooling system is always... Yeah, the weak point. The weak point. So, Michael, you talked about, you know, there's little towns down there, and I'm I'm picturing, is it like an arid desert? I mean, how desolate is Baja? You have the one road, or maybe two now, and yeah, towns yeah. every, what, a few hundred miles? Like, what, yeah. what is it like down there? Yeah, it is that. It's, uh, so you have the, the, Tijuana is underneath San Diego. So, so people in Tijuana will say San Diego is a suburb of Tijuana. Okay. Uh, and that's a, that's a, you know, million or so population place. 
you drive an hour south on the coast and you get to Ensenada and that's, uh, I don't know, a hundred thousand maybe I'm, I'm guessing, but after Ensenada, it sort of opens up and gets pretty, um, pretty open pretty quickly. So there's two sides. It's a peninsula. There's two sides. The Western coast side is the Pacific ocean side. The inland sea is the Gulf of California side or the sea of Cortez side. Mm. And, um, that side is very flat. The water is very uh, calm. It gets very windy, but it gets very hot. So you have two sides of the peninsula and the, the construction really goes along the coast to some degree. But again, after Ensenada, you only get into villages until you get into places in the south, um, you know, several hundred miles later. Um, and I'm, I'm glossing past San Catin, which is a farming town. I'm, I'm glossing past a couple of places, but the road turns inland and then it gets down to the east coast. Um, Guerrero Negro is the halfway point. That's a sizable town. It'll have a couple of ATMs and a grocery store. So that's what we're talking about. But let's say a big box store is a definition of, you know, how big the town is. You're not going to have a big box store right. um, from Ensenada to La Paz. So that's 800 miles, something like that on a thousand mile peninsula. So you'll have uh, some towns of note that will have a uh, auto zone or an auto parts O'Reilly or whatever, but you won't have a Costco or a big box, something La Paz, which is the, the capital it's in the South. It's a town of a couple hundred thousand. It'll have every car dealer and big box store that you need. Um, and then Further south from La Paz, a couple hours is Cabo San Lucas, which is the big tourist destination, and it will have all that stuff as well. Right. But in between, refresh there's... your browser. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, Jake just has to refresh his browser. On, yeah, on my okay. recording stopped for some reason. It's okay, but he wasn't right. talking anyway, so nobody cares. No, nope. okay. rarely do they. You got me. So is it? So is it? Are the are the stores and the places in these sounds are they all kind of like sole proprietors, or is there like Mexican chains, or what exactly uh, kind of thing? Yeah, are we talking I think about? the food is almost also sole proprietor. At least all the taco stands that I'm stopping at, if it's got a big, fancy plastic sign, I'm probably not going to stop there. But if it has a little uh, sandwich board outside or a hand painted sign that says. Uh, Tortillas hecha a mano with sort of a little hand-painted picture of a tortilla. I'm definitely stopping there. You're in. Uh, You're in. So, yeah, you'll again, you have all the the chains of, I don't know what, the AutoZone or or O'Reilly's or something. We're talking about car parts. Yeah. So you'll have those in the, in the medium size. And then you have the gas stations. So it, forever, until a couple of years ago, it was a monopoly. They had the state-run Pemex gas stations only. Okay. And mm. then... Now they have um, Chevron, BP, um, VP. So there's a couple of other competitors, mainly in the big population centers. Okay, so what does the impact of, and I had no idea how many events were happening. Sounds like there's events all the time. What kind of uh, economical impact do these events have on these local communities? Are they, are they integral? Do they love that they exist? They love that they happen? Or is it something where some of the locals like it, some don't? Or how does this... How do these events yeah. interact? I, I wish I could say um, with some manner of authority what what that relationship is, because the the score Baja 1000, which is what the Nora Mexican 1000 became. So Nora ran it from 67 to 72. They had a dispute with the Mexican government. 
They bowed out in 73. The Mexican government ran it from all accounts, was not run um, terribly well. And then Mickey Thompson and Sal Fish took it over in 1974. And Sal Fish eventually bought Mickey Thompson out and grew score into what it became and then sold it in 2012 to Roger Norman, who has it now. These are huge events, multi-million dollar, uh, a thousand people maybe traveling the peninsula um, from start to finish, chasing the vehicles that are actually in the race and tens of thousands of spectators lining every dirt road uh, throughout the peninsula and people who are camping for days to see um, Rob McCachran or Robbie Gordon or Larry Rossler or one of these guys ripped by for two seconds in a thousand horsepower trophy truck. Right. And, and they, they've drank 12 cases of Tecate. They've cut up a whole cow and turned it into (laughs) tacos and they've had the party of their life to see, you know, the big dogs rip by for two seconds. And it's very hard to sort of um, make an analogy to the very controlled racing that we have in the United States, like road America, Monterey, even Monterey car week is, is kind of contained to a, you know, a, a single county. It's not like these cars are ripping a thousand miles through California. Right. Um, right. So it's, it's a cultural phenomenon, but dollar value. I don't know what the, what the economic impact is of Baja racing. I know they had to shut it down for a couple of years. The country survived. So, you know, sure. I don't, I don't, I couldn't say with authority what, what that is. It's big. Well, hold and, on, hold on just a sec. Jake, where are you? Oh, and, Jake, there you are. I can let and you culturally know. it's big. And back to you. Back to you. Yeah. Sorry about the technical difficulties, everybody. That's that's how it goes. That is how it goes. So we were talking about kind of the economy. And you said that there was, you know, I'm curious about this. There's like millions and millions of dollars. Is it trickling down <laughs> to the people with the chickens running around in the road and in, in their yard? Because I, it just, I, it, it concerns me a little bit, right? It concerns you know, me. like Reagan economics I, class now? I, I, no, I, I just wonder. I cannot Does throw it feel shade. Like it was? I cannot throw shade on the folks who listen to me and drive the the Baja 1000. But a lot of it, honestly, to answer your question, in my biased um, opinion, is fill up with co- at Costco before we get across the border. Mm. Uh, stay in our hotel. Drive our chase vehicles. And like a, a guy like Larry Rossler will have a hundred people volunteering on his team as chase. So are they buying tacos locally? Yes, they are. Are they staying in hotels on their own nickel? Yes, they are. Is there trickle down? Yes, there is. But much of it is fill up three Raptors or however many vehicles with as much as you can pile in there from, from Costco and stop for gas only. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I think that Part of that is probably because of the notion that I started out the podcast with of is Mexico dangerous? You know, people don't necessarily want to go out of whatever comfort zone they have out of whatever fear that they, that they may have like pre-existing or pre-existing notions of what they think Mexico is like. Um, I kind of go into, you know, America is, is very easy. There's very, very few places in America where you could really get yourself in trouble. And especially in the daytime, uh, I think, you know, you, you go to a town, you can usually walk up to anybody and people are people just because they're from a different place across the border doesn't mean they're they're necessarily going to be less nice. But I think there is a there is a, a modicum of what's called. Common sense, 
that you have to bring with you no matter where you go, that you have to have some sort of set of personal responsibility that you take care of yourself and use common sense when you're going into unfamiliar places, I guess I I would say. Anyway, okay, so Baja. Yes. I want to know what slow Baja is. And we know yes. there's, we've established there's all these different races now since yeah. 1967 when it all started. There's all these different races, and all these different races have many different classes. And that's yeah. as much as I know, and then you came along, right? Well, they don't, they don't have the iconoclast. That's me. That's uh, <laughs> the idea of um, trying to make a 71 FJ40 go faster just seemed stupid to me, again, given my budget and all that. And so I had this vision as I was going into a 3,000 mile uh, rally, a 10 day, 3,000 mile dirt drive that uh, I was doing this on my own own time at my own pace. And I just felt like, I don't know if there's anxiety or insecurity or what, but I felt like I needed to make some sort of announcement <laughs> about my intentions. And I was at this uh, really cool hot rod shop that I, I uh know the owner of, and I was hanging out, having a beer, and we're talking about what I was doing. And and I said, you know, I really want to get um, slow Baja painted on the side of my car. It's just like a message. And he points to the shop that's next to his, and he said, oh, well, you know, TJ's a sign painter in his spare time. He'll he'll paint that for you. And so, like, my bluff was called. And <laughs> I, just, I just walked through the back of the shop and handed him my soft doors and said, I want slow Baja painted on. I didn't tell him what I, how, you know, how, what font or size or anything. I just gave him these doors. I drove back to San Francisco with no doors on my truck about an hour, you know, South and then came back up a couple of days later. And I'm like, Hey, look at me. I've got this big sign on the side of my car now, but <laughs> managing freak- expectations, right? That's yeah, kind of what it was. I'm a full freak about hand painted livery. I just love like the 1950s, La Carrera cars where everything's hand painted and racing, you know, up until vinyl graphics was really interesting to me with, with stuff that was hand painted. And while I didn't want to have stumping painted on the paint, you know, on my soft doors, why not? I figured it, I could blow that off with a pressure washer if I hated it, but it, I just wanted to set my expectations. And then because this was an event with a couple hundred vehicles, uh, 30 something countries, I just wanted to set the expectations for others. Like, yeah, that guy don't, He's, he's got four cases of tequila with him. He's, he's just, he's just going slow. That's all he's doing his thing. And so then, um, uh, it, it kind of became a thing. And, you know, soon after that, I, I started the podcast and, and now I just kind of advocate for being where you are when you're there. I mean, so we're, we're so goal oriented, achievement oriented, I've got an itinerary. I got to get here and then I got to get there and then I got to do this. And then it's like, Hey, slow down, take a deep breath, be where you are when you're there. And I think that really fits my own philosophy, sort of, you know, middle chapter of life. And my old truck certainly likes going slow, certainly loves it on the dirt and having a vehicle that's a that old and people, you know, the economy is a lot better in in Baja than it was when I started going down there in the eighties. So even the locals, probably have their windows up, air conditioning on, music on, what have you. So when they see somebody like me, you know, soft top, soft doors, no windows, driving some antique rig that looks like it's something out of the Baja 1000, 1971 or two, whatever, people want to talk. They want to say hello and, and you got to make time for that. So I'm, I'm not going to big it. league. I'm not going to big league those guys. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to share that beer or be open to the invitation that, that comes with, with that that smile and going slow and driving an old truck 
So ba- slow Baja has turned into a thing that involves more than just you, right? I mean, you we talked last year. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a one man band, but yeah, it involves a few a few of us now. It's a it's a growing snowballing thing. That so if has, someone wants I've, to go, I've rope some other folks in. Yeah, for sure. How big is the rope? Like, <laughs> uh, if someone wants so to come with you, what does that entail? Do, is there like a do I have to fill out an essay and just be like, this no, is no. why I'm so worthy? The, the first uh, opportunities, I lead a class for uh, Nora, which again is the first group that ran the off-road race in 1967, National Off-Road Racing Association. They're the folks who started it. They gave it up. And then um, 20, 2008, they, they, uh, a couple of the original guys who had put on the first race had passed on. And a nephew and a son of the original founders said, you know, we ought to honor those guys who did this thing. 50, it's been 50 years. Let's let's honor them. And yeah. they put on a race and it was phenomenal. All these old off-road racers came out of the woodwork with all their old stuff and they had a great time. I think the organizers lost their shirt on it. So then they <laughs> had to come back and do it again next year to retire the debt. And then it's been going on now for 10 years. So I got into it. Um, 2019, I was driving in the Baja XL rally out in the middle of nowhere on a dirt road and a nineties land cruiser blew by me. And I had this moment of watching this thing, you know, full suspension graphics, you know, jerry cans on the back, hammering down this dirt road from behind passing me and then hammering on until it was a speck on the horizon. I thought, wow, maybe I need something a little more modern. Maybe I'm really an idiot. What am I doing out here in this truck? Yeah. And then this truck turned around and came back and I thought, well, maybe I'm going to get mugged. What's going to happen here? You know, there's this, but you know, you two, two vehicles, two, two land cruisers, especially meet on a um, desolate, desolate dirt road in the middle of nowhere. It turns out it was the guys, the Mexican side of the Nora mapping for the, the Nora 1000. So um, immediately I'm, I'm offering them Fortaleza Tequila, which is my sponsor. And it's kind of like middle of the day. And they're like, looking at us like, dude, what's with these two old gringos out here offering <laughs> us tequila shots in the middle of the day? No, no, thank you. But, but we traded stickers and I, I got in touch with them immediately and said, Hey, it's really great to meet you. Hope we can do something. And the, the Nora, and they invited me to come in and uh, do this new thing called the safari class. And Kurt LeDuke off-road hall of famer was running it. Great guy. And I was part of a group of four um four vehicles or five vehicles doing the the nora 500 they just started the 500 and that's a terrific event it's two days 250 miles each day northern baja but you stay at the same hotel every night and the hotel's only uh, 100 miles and it's not it's 100 miles south of the border so the logistics are super easy especially if you're in southern california which again i'm not i'm in northern california but to just go leave your stuff in a hotel room, do these great dirt drives, come back, take a shower, go to a party. It's a really terrific long weekend. Uh, having had that experience, I guess Nora didn't get a sponsor the next year for uh, the safari class. And a couple of weeks before the event, you know, I checked in and said, hey, I'd love to help you out do the event. And it's like, hey, it's sponsored by Slow Baja. So I am the sponsor now. <laughs> so I'm like, well, okay, what do I do? So I, I led the, I led the event and then that was, um, the 500, uh, whatever to 2021. Um, and so I had some time to get prepared for the, the Nora 1000 and that's a thousand miles over five days, stay in a different hotel every night, get to the 
beach in Cabo San Lucas and there's a huge party and it's a great time. And I had, I had some time to promote it and work on it and figure out like, who would I want to get? Who would I want to get to come with me on this event? What celebrity? Chris in his trooper? Could I get that guy? Could I get that? I'm like, hey, what about that guy who just bought the the uh, Parnelli Jones Bronco for $1.8 million? Do you think I can get him to come with me? So, you know, of course, I, I put an Instagram post up with a picture of his car. It, was, it made some news. And I said, and, you know, you can bring your your vintage Bronco on the Slow Baja Safari class and not not trash it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, like immediately after I make this kind of tongue in cheek Instagram post, I get a direct message from his mechanic who I know from, you know, the Copper State Rally and uh, some other events that I've done. I know this guy and he says, hey, I, I'm the mechanic for the guy who just bought Big Ole. He would love to do that. And then it's like, okay, I this better is, figure this, this out. This is happening. So then, you know, I'm, I'm on the phone with the guys from Nora saying, hey, we got this Bronco coming with us. It's worth, you know, just sold for $1.8 million. Do you think we could, do you think you could bring me with you and I could pre-drive the entire thousand mile course and find a thousand miles that aren't going to put a scratch on this dude's truck? Because uh. Uh, I don't want to wreck this guy's truck because it was going to Quail. It was at, you know, Pebble Beach and then it's coming wow. with me to Baja. So I, I feel like that thing would be, it would be so worth cool. more money if it had less paint. <laughs> well, I mean, right? it, like, it, it, it did blow up the internet. He crashed. Uh, he rolled twice day one and day five, yeah. two different drivers, but two different drivers. And, and that thing is really, I'm sure uh, a handful to drive. I mean, really? I yeah. Mean, it, it, Tell so, us about that. Anyways. Just briefly. Why? Why is it a handful of drive? Uh, so from what I understand, the, the rear end technology, spool rear end, which is like a drag racing kind of a, a rear end, seemed like a good idea at the time. But even one of Parnelli Jones's employees flipped it in a parking lot when he was putting it on display. It's just from what I understand, and I'm not a mechanic, from what I understand is it's it's like positive traction all the time. It's It's got the tires, you know, turning all the time. So a short wheel base. Like the first day they flipped it, uh, Porsche was driving. I'm not sure of his first name, Mark Porsche. Anyways, um, Mr. Porsche was driving. He's a friend of the owner and he'd come over from Germany. He's that Porsche family and um, professional racer. And they were just transitioning from dirt into pavement. I think they were a little bit sideways and the pavement on the highway, as I said, you know, there are these shoulders where the, where the dirt has eroded away from the edge of the road. And I think they just hit this thing with a six or eight inch lip, you know, between the dirt and the the pavement and just flipped. And that That's, was, that was that just, yeah. just flipped pretty quick, pretty quick and violent. So, um, day five, I have no idea what happened. It was a, involved a cow. I don't, I never asked, you know, it's not one of those things that like, you can't that, blame that on Posse. No, 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 no. And there are hazards in driving to Mexico and wildlife crossing the road and crossing the road or standing in the road at night is a, is a serious part of the hazard. Why, why every vehicle has light bars and six driving lights across the front looks like it's ready for the Dakar rally is because that black cow wants to sit in the middle of the road <laughs> in the middle of the night, not the white cow. Probably the because the road is holding heat. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. There's exactly. something to it. Actually. Yeah. 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 Was yeah. that, so, was that also the year, Michael, that uh, Myers Manx brought a, a buggy yeah, up yeah. there, right? So Myers Manx, uh, terrific folks who also, um, Philip, who owns Myers Manx, also owns Big Ole. They really 
took this um, Slow Baja Safari class pretty seriously. So they entered a couple of beautiful old buggies. They brought an incredible team of creative folks with them. Some of the folks you know. Uh, That's right. Um, from your rally. And they, you know, helicopter, all, I mean, amazing Jeez, investment. Wow. Amazing investment to film their company. But um, Tim Timothy Martin uh, found some Manx chassis and brought it to the attention of the folks at Manx, and they were kind enough to sponsor him with a body. And he put together a, a super team of guys, like six super creative LA guys, um, and including Dorian of, of Alfa Romeo fame. Yeah. And they drove this thing. And they also got Jim Chamberlain, who maintains the replica of the 1967 Baja 1000 winning vehicle, the, the race that won the very first uh Mexican 1000 was driven by Bruce Myers and there's a perfect replica of that. And it lives in Southern California and Jim Chamberlain, who's 79 years old, maintains the thing. And he was part of the crew in that original race. And, uh, Timothy Martin got 79 year old Jim Chamberlain into this perfect replica with his son and a bunch of other guys and a bunch of his hip LA downtown LA guys who probably are having coffee with Magnus most mornings, you know, they, they got this old dude in this perfect looks like 1967 Manx and rolled with me through Baja and Jim, again, I don't know what it'd be like to be 78 or 79 years old and putting yourself into a dune buggy every day. It makes my land cruiser look plush, yeah. but he was strapped in smiling his face. And every time he saw me, he had his shot glass, a slow Baja mon monogram shot glass out saying, I got some dust in my mouth, fill me up. You know, we had a little sip and, and it was mouthwash for us. We just, we swished it around and spit it out for the record, but um, mm. we, uh, we're not, we're not actually drinking. We're not actually drinking tequila during the event. No, yeah. certainly not. Certainly know. not. Certainly. As far so as I, wait, 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 I, I, so, okay. Let's say over, I'm a guy. Okay. Well, hold on. I have a clarification. So a, a Myers-Mangs buggy won the first year of the Baja. Yeah, in 1967, largely because uh, Malcolm Smith on a motorcycle and uh, uh, J.N. Roberts should have won outright. But um, in those days, the technology was so bad. Malcolm Smith had memorized a map in a book and he had given the book to J.N. Roberts and told him to memorize it. And Jan's like, hey, I just I, I follow the, sun, the stars. I, I'll be able to do it. No worry. <laughs> well, he he got lost. He he was running east to west instead of oh, north to no. south, and he ran east to west out of gas. Got gas at some ranch. Ran back the other way. Got you know out of gas. Slept for six hours or whatever. Now Malcolm had like a twelve hour lead, and and JN just drove back and forth, back and forth across the peninsula all night, and then <laughs> fell asleep until this <laughs> this manx buggy comes bump, bumping along and he said can i follow you guys and you know get some gas from you so he ends up you know following them to the finish and i'm sure etiquette yeah. didn't allow him to blast past the guy he finished he followed to the finish line yeah yeah but that's the way it was early in the earliest year it was just surviving that's a year cool story. two yeah year two it's abc wild world of sports so it's a big deal wow. by 68 and by 69 they're making trophy trucks like that that big Oli is basically the very first trophy truck. It's, right. it's 1969 IndyCar tube frame technology with some fiberglass that looks like a, a Bronco on it. Wow. And, you know, um, people are going fast and trying to beat 
the not only the terrain but everybody else. So it it, it blew up pretty quickly. Yeah, sounds like it. I so okay. The only reason I asked that is I like Manx buggies. My, oh my god, what's my, not to like? My dad I like built everything one about him in high school. He was reliving his youth, and so I was you know being a, a high school idiot in a Myers Manx buggy. It's awesome. And Chris yeah. is Chris has zero. Design. I I, I don't I don't it. love or not love them. I, I they, well, it doesn't really. Now I want to build a Manx buggy. I haven't experienced it, it, so I it's tough for me to say that I I don't like it. But I it doesn't it does like they're so light. There's oh, just sure. so that's it's a motorcycle, but you're in four wheels. I think it sounds fun. I I so, so if I'm over, if I'm overcrest, which I am, um, we are, and I want to live with overcrest. <laughs> if we want to, if we want to go right, so I'm a guy, and I want to go, and I want to do this safari class with slow slow Baja sponsoring the safari class. I want to go to this thing. What do I have to do? What is the process for process for me? Or anyone else that wants to come do this. How do I do this? Like, what does this look like? It still seems like ambiguous to me. Like, I want to go. I want to go. I want to do this. I want to yeah, I want to pull so, up to the starting line. I want to drive this thing. And I want to drive a so book the, and not the stars and make it. Yeah. So that the uh, the Nora 1000 is, I I say, the aspirational event. The the 500 is very good training. Nope. We're skipping one, that. I want to go oh, straight yeah, to yeah, the 1000. Exactly. Come on. Straight exactly. to the 1000. I don't want to do the... You. No, I don't no, want to exactly. do the little thing. I want to do the sure. thing. Do the big one. Let's go. Let's go in. And that's you know, just the, like next month, isn't I, it? Is I want to either. 1, no, it's, it's I want to either be April. in okay. glory, or I don't want, or I want to fail miserably. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to just do this thing. And be like, oh, I did it. No, I want to. I want to do the thing. Well, the beauty of the the Nora, and that's Nora.com, N-O-R-R-A.com. Again, I'm a volunteer in that that group. It's a real race. There are trophy trucks. Um, you know, Mark Post drives a truck that he's been driving for 20 years, you know, where he raced Robbie Gordon in this thing. So there are, there are trophy trucks. There are people in, in helicopters following the trophy trucks, t- telling them, hey, watch out over this hill. You've got slow Baja in the 1971 Land Cruiser. So when you're coming up at 120 miles an hour and I can see the trophy truck, behind, I can see the dust trail sure. and I can see the I can see the helicopter. And then I'm pounding my truck that I should be doing 40 miles an hour on the dirt. And I'm starting to do like 55, 60, you know, and driving this thing, uh, for all I'm worth. So, uh, the beauty of this thing is Nora has it figured out. Um, it's a stage rally. You're not supposed to be driving at night. Hopefully we're long off the road at night. So you're limiting the danger and you're maximizing the fun because there's a party every night and you also have time to repair your vehicle. So unlike the Baja 1000, where you get in this thing, you go flat out, you know, f- as fast as you can uh, for the amount of time it takes you to get the 800 or 1300 miles or whatever it happens to be that year. They call it the 1000, but it, the, the course varies. Uh, you only stop for fuel and repairs, nor you stop every night. You get to a hotel, you have a shower, you have a, you hopefully and I hear you have dinner, Baja you have dinner. tequila for you. Yeah, yes, very fine tequila. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, so can I win the Slow Baja in that class? <laughs> I, you win by being in the Slow Baja okay. class. So just finishing yeah. is winning. Yeah, yeah. The trophy is but what if, I, what if I come in first? What if I'm the first yeah. one? Do I get a trophy? Well, uh, you, can't, you can't be the first one because I'm the first one. So oh. the first, is that I, a challenge I, or a fact? I, no, 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 no. I take the green flag. Uh, Nora, after, the, after Big Ole rolled a couple of times, they, sit, they did get sort of concerned about how fast people are going and what's actually happening out there. And you do have a, a Stella tracking device. So, so somebody 
Big Brother is watching how fast you go. Yep. Um, and I don't know how fast Sharif was going in his 9-11. I'm assuming he was having a lot of fun. Um, it's not it's not supposed to be lead follow, but Nora would love it to be lead follow with people just following slowly behind me. Right. I say go go have fun, be an adult, and uh, sure. stop if you get concerned. You've got, a, again, a GPS file that you follow. We have a, I have a map sponsor, Benchmark Maps, that everybody gets a beautiful 72-page um, big format book that has you know every map uh, in case you lose your GPS or what have you. You've got an ability to figure out where you are, what you're doing. And we're all supposed to have 50 watt radios. So, you know, if we're in direct line of sight within five miles ish, what you know, if we mine's talk, we can uh, probably talk to each other. 100, as long as the FCC and is can, not listening. You can be twice as far away and yeah. I can still hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you, Chris? Yeah, Where I can, are you? I can are you stop on everybody else's. Re- I can just, I can stop on everybody. That was the goal is yeah, that yeah. when I get on my CB, no, I, I'm talking. It's me. Yeah. Um, so He's this sounds like down. a lot like driving on the Nurburgring. To be honest, um, like, how? It's listen, like, listen, you take a rental car. I'm in a Mercedes A-Class, okay. and I'm on the Nurburgring, right? And I'm driving it, and it has 4.6 horsepower, and there are M3 CSLs, oh, 911 GT3s. I get it. There are flat-out, almost touring cars driving, and you're sitting there like, fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> and, and you've got your blinker on, you're like, just go, just go, dude, just go. And they're, whoa, and you're just like... It, just kind of like kind of terrified, right? You're kind of yeah. terrified. It's very similar, except it's one lane. It's dirt. So you're reading terrain constantly and you're <laughs> yes. looking for some way to pull off so that that M5 rental or M3 rental with, with you know, uh, some retired Formula One driver <laughs> uh, can get by you. Yeah. And that's the thing that's really hair raising is you can't just make way. You have to like find a wide spot that doesn't have a, 12 inch lip or something you're so you're constantly checking the train ahead of you to find some place that you can pull off without rolling and you're on dirt and you're driving too fast and so nora is trying to figure out ways to separate um the lamb from the slaughter we are the lamb because our you know my my brand is going slow and 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 having sure and having a trophy truck up your ass is not fun for everybody and you know, in the last race we had, I want that 20, so bad. 24. Yeah. We had 24 people in my class and it wasn't oh, wow. everybody's cup of tea. Well, and that's be what I love because you could, you could just, you know, do a tour of, you know, the race line. Yeah. Right? Like and an off season, you could right. just go do it. But I love that you're in it. You're a part of it. Yeah. You're experiencing That's it. what excites me too. So is yeah. it, is it timed staged starts or how, how is it that yes. you have a trophy truck that's most faster behind you and passing yeah. you? I, I'm, I'm sad that I'm going to get everybody fired up to have a trophy truck run them over. And then Nora in the next event is going to say, you guys are on a separate route. We'll never have mixing of trophy trucks and slow Baja again. There's no way. Um, but yeah, so we take the green flag every morning, 30 seconds apart, okay. uh, you know, and that's, and that's, uh, and then something, you know, two hours later or three hours later, the trophy truck start. Okay. So they're never supposed to catch us, but when we I mean, go to, on. yeah, when we go to Lynn Chenneth's museum for, for breakfast and Johnny Johnson, winner of a hundred plus off-road races is there and, you know, gives an impromptu talk about his life and what it was like to, to race with George Plimpton and, you know, and be on ABC Wild World of Sports in 1972 or whatever, 
you know, you stick around and you might have a bloody Mary. Well, your tequila you know? and, sponsor comes and then, out. And... Yeah. And then you, like, you get, you get on the road and then it's like, holy Toledo. And when I say get on the road, you get on the beach outside of the, get on the, 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 uh, the trail outside of the Chenneth lodge and you get on the trail and it's like, what the hell are what there's a hell there's a trophy truck what the and you know like i i've lost what do these guys of think of you of you what are these dudes oh, in sure the trophy they, trucks i'm sure they just hate us but it's like it's like um the real baja 1000 is open to traffic so when these guys are on uh the public road and they're on dirt stages and they're driving past the Mitsubishi you know, running on one of, cylinder with yeah, seven people in the back people. And- exactly bad things can happen yeah. So in Nora, you never want bad things to happen because it's the happiest race on earth. And it's a, it's akin to a vintage car race, yeah. but like stuff happens at Goodwood every year, right? People mm-hmm. at Elkhart Lake crash $20 million cars. Stuff happens. Seen it. You know, yeah. uh, my, my dear friend who, who came down from Indiana and is 86 FJ 60, you know, he got tapped by a, uh, by a, a trophy truck. And if there's one guy in my class that I wanted to get tapped by a trophy truck and get a little scuff on his bumper, that's my buddy Todd Ratzlaff. Please but, let this you know, happen. To no, me. Exactly. Like Please. other people will be like, I'm suing you, slow Baja. And Todd's like, dude, you see this? This yeah, guy hit me right here. Right here the, the black and red. That's the same yeah. color. That they that's, have. that's right. I tried to pull over and he just scuffed me. Yeah. So, oh, so I, I shout out Todd Ratzlaff, the silver lady. Uh, 2024, maybe. Why not this yeah. year? What, Come on down. Uh, so what, what is, okay, so how many of these oh, wait, 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 races hold on, hold, hold do on, you, I'm on. curious, what's the schedule? Hold on, hold on. what is, hold on. So Nora 1000, I want to do this. That's April. April. And it, it finishes on the beach at Cinco de Mayo. In, oh my God. In uh, San Jose del Cabo. Can and you they imagine? Throw, they throw a phenomenal, I mean, it's a hundred plus thousand dollar party. It really isn't a phenomenal event. And then you have, however long you can get away from your other life, to slowly make your way back up the peninsula. So that's when you can go back to all these places that you just drove by and said, Oh, I want to, I want to camp here. I want to go yeah. there. I want to do this. How many you know, people can you have, can, can be in this class? Do they know, do they have uh, an amount? They limited it to 20 on the, the 1000, but with the VIP uh, situation with Manx, uh, because they had big Oli there because they had entered a couple of vehicles. Um, we also accommodated their media team and other things that had to be in the class with us. You can't really, we didn't, they didn't want to have their media team meeting up with them or going here or going there. They wanted to have them right, right yeah. there with them. Yeah. What, what's yeah. the, what's when the that, entry that fee? Fu- oh, it was nine, $1,967 for the, the last year. And I think it's going to be, that's cool. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little more than that on this, this one. Okay. So, so around $2,000, I'm trying to add them out. $2,000, yeah, probably a, Probably a thousand dollars for me to get there. So and a I'm thousand, thinking, a yeah, a thousand more when you're there for hotels four or five and grand. food and yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, Jake, make Overcrest have four or five grand. Okay, done. We'll figure Easy. it out. Let's do we'll it. Figure out. We'll, we'll, I I think we do it in a in a buggy. No, let's do it in a Manx. No, absolutely. Your not. car isn't ready yet. The it's trooper is not ready. By, well, not this April. But yeah, let's do wow. it. Maybe by April. Let's get in a buggy. Let's do it. It's only January. You know, third, right? Come on. We can do and it. then we're going to road trip the buggy down from Minnesota in April. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Well, that's, maybe. That's that. Hey, that's if you're going to be hot down in Mexico, you might as well be cold on the way down. Just wear some goggles yeah. and everything. I, I'd be down to, to figure out a way to, to do it and to make it happen. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I really would like to take the trooper. It's why I, it's kind of why I started swapping that engine to begin with. 
is to is to do this. And plus, I just had the engine and I can't stop myself. Did you even ask him if diesel was available down there? Yes, of course, it's, diesel's it's available. available. <laughs> Mexico yeah. will be the last place diesel isn't available. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Probably. people ask about the uh, ultra low sulfur, what have you. I believe it's available all the way up and down the peninsula. So those nice. Jeeps that are getting recalled left and right, you can put I, I need, I, you can run yeah. the sulfur in a TDI. Yeah. Oh, give, yeah. give me the sulfur. Put the sulfur in. Yeah, yeah. I'm all fine. I, want I think you should do it on waste waste vegetable oil. That there you go. No chance. Better Fry oil? Oh, no exactly. chance. Th- that stuff, I've, oh, little, I've been around diesel stuff for like a long time. empanada oil down there. <laughs> Absolutely. Churro. You're talking to the churro guy. Heck like, hey, yeah. buddy, no can way. I get a half oh. gallon for you? Can you no imagine way. the smell? You'd be out. hungry the whole time. Oh, it's a pro- God, it's a whole so process. Good. You have to filter it. So you have yeah. to like, you have you to take. strain it. Yeah. Doing that on the fly would just be, that'd be worse than doing it in an EV. Like, that'd be yes. harder than doing it with vegetable. It'd be harder than doing it in a Rivian. Yes. I, want, hey, I, I agree. Maybe Rivian will give us a truck and we can do it in a Rivian. Uh, What's the range I have I'm every kidding. day? I don't want to do it in a Rivian. No, <laughs> thought, those are thoughts I have every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, what if Rivian would give me a truck? Yeah. yeah let's yeah. do but it. Oh, that I wonder if be... I could just borrow somebody's Nissan Leaf and put some all trains on it. See, that would be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. If you could somehow find out, find a way, like leave a battery pack on the side of the road. Like, well, just, just go like ahead. year one, we're going to have the Cessna with the battery packs in it. Yeah, <laughs> just, they just parachute them down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, Michael, this, this sounds so awesome. This is so cool what you've created and kind of been able to hopefully share with other people. Here, what about well, this? I, I, idea. Idea. Oh, okay, God. so Slobaha, Excuse it's me. 20 people. What if we cars. can get 20, 20 cars? What if we can get, like, we, we, we talk about that's an actual race, but only 20 can, people can go. What if we get together, like... Oh, the Overcrest Baja. Like, a fifth, get, like, 50 people together to go do a tour of it. Like, if we do, like, an Overcrest thing. Well, Nora would like that better. <laughs> well, I don't think they care either way. If, if 20 is full, it's full. They don't care. It's, it's full. I don't think this would be aside from, from Nora. Well, yeah, so... Um... We could organize something during the Baja 1000 if you want to see uh, real the real racing fast stuff, or there's a Overcrest uh, a slow Baja rally where we basically drive great roads, dirt roads, eat tacos, camp here, camp there, group camps, or take over small hotels. That's certainly a possibility. I'm doing my first um, vintage slow Baja vintage in um, September with uh, Speed Deluxe in Chattanooga, Tennessee. With so it'll be bikes. Motorcycles 1979 and older, and trucks 1989 and older. Oh, perfect. Uh, or by sort of uh, um, the secret handshake, I might let you in if you got something that hey, looks like it's my truck's 89 89. or older. It's an 89. Yeah, well, so perfect. You're in. We're all set. So that's, that's the vintage, and that'll be a, a shorter duration, um, uh, uh, three nights, four days, northern Baja. Great roads. It's the Baja 500 route. Yep. Great roads. But and it's not during. And catered. No. Not during one, one way you okay. could that 1989 thing gets a little hairy. One thing you can do is do pre 93 only, because because OBD oh. is kind of like the cutoff of modern. So if you say anything that has an OBD port, which is like 92, 93, just eliminates anything newer than like 91. Yeah, but someone's just gonna unscrew the port and be like, yeah, it's a 91. Come on, same we model, model. Google, you could just Google it. It's just it's a good delineator because you know they made troopers like mine to 1991. So if you had like a 91 Trooper, but it looks exactly the same as an 84, 
It would just like saying, well, nothing with an OBD port, okay? That's pretty much what it does. Yeah. If you have to plug like a fuse into something he's, and like watch a watch a blinking light <laughs> to find out what the check engine light is, that that that's that's okay. We can you can allow that. Or, or if it has a check engine light, yeah, yes. If, you have, if it has a check engine light, you can't come. Yeah, I like now, that. I I do a drive up. Or I used to do a drive when I lived in the San Francisco area, uh, and it was all carbureted. Uh, vintage vehicle. I was so going to say carburetors like, only would be another yeah, way. Yeah, so yeah. that was the, the, it was really a great time because it's flat fendered willies and all sorts oh, cool. of just crazy old military stuff and a Unimog and a whatever. <laughs> and I really, it's first time, I, again, I ever felt like, wow, my Land Cruiser's kind of plush. Holy Toledo. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to tell people I had There's scale to everything. You know? They're scale to everything. Yeah. Dude, I, I, this conversation's been awesome. It's gotten me excited to work on the Trooper again. inspired? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just takes. I'm, dude. I'm stuck up here in winter. I'm ready for adventure. So it's definitely something to think about. I've, I've had a lot of people ask me to do some sort of overcrest overland thing. So well, I can't, uh, I can't believe you had Nevin uh, Pontius on the show for two plus hours talking about his life, and he never mentioned driving a Manx across Boston. Well, that's was, why I wanted to bring it up. Good. Yeah. Yeah. When you see that guy, <laughs> when you see that guy with uh, his vintage gold. You know, uh, he's got the one piece racing suit and yeah. his goggles. Holy Toledo. Like, yeah, he, wow. He is. He is where's, dialed. Where's in. central casting behind that dude? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Well, uh, I think we should be in touch. I think it'd be a fun thing to do. We'll see if we can no, figure I'm, something out. I'm all out. in. Let's figure that out. All right, man. Thanks for thanks, coming on. Michael. We'll talk to you later. All right, Jake, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Have thanks. fun, guys. Happy New Year, and I'll see you in Baja soon. All right, take care. Bye.